Welcome to the Present and Sober podcast with your hosts, Sam Goldfinch and Ellie Crow. If you want to make your life bigger, not smaller, then this is the podcast for you. If you can sense that you're destined for more and you're curious about how drinking could be holding you back, listen in and come on this journey with us. Through the interplay of mind and body practices, we will help you elevate your daily life and discover the wonder and potential of going alcohol free. Let's make life bigger together. Welcome to the Present Sober podcast. And today we've got the beagle snoring in the background, if you can hear them. Sam's hopefully not going to snore. And we've got a special guest with us today. We've got our good friend, Martha Wright here. Hello, Martha. How are you today? So psyched to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, we're really, really excited about this conversation. And Martha's coming coming to us from Paris, from Gay Paris, which is very exciting. Nice. Um so Martha, for those of you that don't know, Martha is one of the uh, OG uh, This Naked Mind coaches. <laughs> so right back from the original tranche of coaches that were, was it in a church that you were trained in, a church basement? No, we were <laughs> in Denver. Yeah. Was, but but the, the venue, was it like, was it a church basement that you were in? Or was that just a gag? <laughs> yes, not a church basement. <laughs> Somewhere in Denver. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere secret in Denver. Well, it's it's great to have you here, Martha, because, you know, you've been doing so much work in a really interesting space, which we're going to come on to shortly. And it's been wonderful for me from, you know, back in back in the day when I was um, training and looking up to you on all of the, um, the, the videos, all of the training videos and what have you, then to get to meet you in the mastermind. And now all these years later to, to meet here, it's just really, really wonderful. So I'm really thankful that you're here. And we're going to be talking about something that um, it's a really big part of the alcohol free story. So we get a lot of uh, discussion in our Facebook group about the social stuff and how the, the societal beliefs that we have can be quite sticky. And just today I was in path groups and we were talking, there's lots of talk about uh, people fearing having data points so, oh, well, I'll, I'll not go to the thing. I'll protect myself by not visiting, you know, whatever the, the social situation is. And my encouragement has always been, you know, it, to open yourself up to these opportunities. They're not going to be the same, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be bad, you know, to open yourself up to what the new possibilities might be socially. It's a really big thing. And this, as Sam was pointing out just before we started recording, our podcast has always been about, how to make your life bigger, not smaller. So I couldn't think of a better guest to have on because you've really taken, uh, you know, everything that it means to be social and elevated it. And this is coming from a winemaking background. So I'm just really, really excited to hear what you've got to share with us today. And, and you've got a course as well, which you're going to talk about. So um, a great place to, to get started would be for our listeners just to hear a little bit more about you and your background and, uh, wh where you came from and how you ended up to uh, to be training as a This Naked Mind coach. Oh, I am all about this. I love this topic. So happy to be here for this. And I can identify with every bit of what you just said, Ellie. I grew up in party culture in New Orleans. And so very, very deep rooted associations of a, a very strong cultural value in New Orleans of being sort of the life of the party, 
or if you have guests coming into town, you need to show them, you know, the, the party. And um, it is something that I was extremely hung up on. And I, um, after marrying and then leaving New Orleans, my husband and I, after working for Food Network Chefs, for several years um, and going back and forth to the Food Network and being very steeped in the just food and wine and entertainment cultures, my husband and I then founded a winery, um, first in California and then up in Oregon. So we were very focused and steeped in this world of um, you know, entertaining. And then also I felt like we were creating community and I was often doing that for groups of women. And so I really love that getting groups together at this, our daughter's school or, or wherever, a church. And so that part of it was a big part of my identity and, um, so much the the hostess and then even being a resource to people. Our wine business was very focused on education and where these wines come from and the story behind the wine, the producer, the land, you know, all of that. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that I felt so stuck because the I think the words in my head sounded once I realized that this is not feeling good anymore. It's, um, you know, I, I do not feel well. I'm waking up in the middle of the night. I'm beating up on myself. I'm having these conversations. I'm saying I won't do this again. And then special amnesia sets in uh, the next day. And I'm, I'm repeating this. And a couple of the kinds of, you know, phrases that were in my head, I think the word sounded like, life will have no sparkle mm. without alcohol. Mm. And that kept me really stuck. So I just want to say up front, I understand so well what that feels like to say, you know, how is this possible? How will I be a, you know, a host, a guest? How can I celebrate? How can I have fun? How can I, you know, exhibit the joie de vivre and, um, you know, all of this and, um, you know, enjoy these things, the sensory pleasure of dining and gathering people together that had been so much a part of my world. And um, I love what you said about really wanting to encourage people to, you know, you know, get out and try these things. And, and that is exactly what I did. And I felt like the, that I had gotten a lot of information about the science about what alcohol was doing to my body. That was very compelling. And that was extremely helpful. And I also got tips and tactics for the sort of how to not do it, how to quit. But what was missing for me was this piece of, well, I, I want more. I need to know more about how do I engender feelings of celebration and joy and delight and playfulness and creativity and inspiration? How do I find these things? And I didn't really see it. I didn't see as as many as much of a roadmap for that part. And so that's what I got busy doing. That's what I felt. And there's one line that Annie Grace 
said to us that stuck with me among many that, you know, she introduced us to, but, but it was about this idea of your way in is your way out. Mm -hmm. And that clicked for me because I thought, you know what? I really did, even though, um, you know, for the wine, for me, it was always about the people, the stories, bringing people together, um, certainly about the alcohol, your brain gets dependent on it. But I mean, the initial attraction had to do with all those things. And so I thought your way in is your way out. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to actually lean into this and double down on it. And I can continue to be a hostess and bring people together. I can continue to be a resource and a tour guide. You know, I I then was very passionate and still am about introducing people to, you know, how to have a blast in wine country without drinking. Um, and so just kind of using those parts of my personality or what I loved, the stories behind these products. So what I very early on got excited about were the NA beverages. Mm -hmm. And um, that to me was a wonderful way to get excited about artisanal products and the stories, the producer, what was their inspiration and bringing groups of people together. So for instance, I'm here in Paris, I'm gathering a group together. I don't have a huge community here, but I'm starting, but using some platforms that already exist, like American expats in Paris and putting out a notice. I'm going to meet up at this female owned alcohol-free bar. Why don't you join me? Um, so anyway, that, that's, that gets a little bit at, you know, just how very much I understand this part of it that can truly keep us stuck where the there's real fear and it's really understandable given how much conditioning we have um, around that this is the way to celebrate, to show someone you care is to show up with a bottle of wine, you know, all of that. And so it's untangling that from alcohol and then looking at what was I really trying to do and what are other ways to get there? Mm, I love it. it, it, it the um, when you're saying about how compelling it is, when you understand for the first time how alcohol works with the brain and body, it's the same thing for me. Just so, like I, I, I couldn't believe it. I was just blown away. And in that moment, my desire to drink went because my primary reason for drinking was stress release and relaxation. Um, and it was the weirdest feeling being in that liminal space. But the next thoughts that I had were well, how do you socialize then as a non-drinker? Like, and, and then closely followed by, will my friends want to socialize with me if I'm a non-drinker? Because my entire adult life had been drinking. And if it was, if drinking wasn't the occasion, we'd find a way to shoehorn it into the occasion. So it's, it, it th this stuff is, is big. And just as you said, people don't want to give up having fun. People don't want to give up the sparkle. So it's, really exciting when there's people like you about that are really living and breathing it and, and showing. So it's, so it's not just a pipe dream, but showing that there is another way to embrace life alcohol free. And the knock on effect and the ripple effect is that you bring more people into the conversation. And as we know, this whole um, sober movement is growing 
really rapidly in the you know the breadth of uh, alcohol-free drinks that are available it's it's incredible i mean i can't imagine what it would have been like well sam could probably tell us because you're about you eight years alcohol free so the landscape would have looked very different what was it like caliber caliber and a bex blue it was just there was a few things popping up um but it, it was it was pretty different to, to what it is now where you can go into bars and have like seven or eight alcohol free whatever's in a row right um so yeah it's changed quick in my experience it's, and sorry, Martha, I was just going to say, where did um, so the the winemaking side of things and the uh, how does that fit into things now? Do do you still have that business? Did that? No, we are completely out of it. Um, but that is only in the last few months. Oh, so, wow. okay. So what's interesting is when I met Annie, and you know what's so funny? I'm thinking back. I was for some reason so thrown by church, and I think of church as you know stained glass. You're so right, Ellie. We were in a church, weren't we? <laughs> were you <laughs> a church like I? Grew up in, but I, I think it was like some modern church. We definitely weren't in the basement. So someone was telling you tall tales, <laughs> like you know, like driving or you walking to school both, you know, uphill both ways in the snow or something. Um, we weren't in a basement, but um, but th- that must have been some kind of modern, you know, yeah. I thought of it <laughs> like a hotel room. It was pretty nondescript. <laughs> um, so it, it, when I really got to talk to Annie um, at that training, I, I had all kinds of uh, really deep conflict and said, I, I guess I just, I mean, I can't do this, right? I just can't do what you're offering to train us to do because I'm still in the wine business. And she said, no, I think that's great. I think yes, yeah. this is great if we can really meet people where they are. Mm-hmm. And that was so freeing to me. And immediately um, I would say at first I, I put out some tentative, you know, announcements of what I was doing, but I had other winemakers reach out to me and say, me too. This is how I feel. Wow. And one of the things that I, um, I, I really am excited to share this part of it, um, a, a huge commitment of mine from the beginning Besides this idea, and I hope we'll get into it even more, what this means, that besides the idea of reclaiming spaces and um, doubling down on the sensory pleasure we get from life, not retreating from it, those were very primary for me, but so was this idea of a deep commitment to building better drinking culture. Mm-hmm. I That is something that I thought was, I went to a meeting that was... Um, a little, it wasn't technically AA, but it had been founded by some chefs and bartenders, you know, hot, um, food and beverage industry people who had all gone through AA. So it really shared a, a format like AA. And one of the things, while it was so super welcoming, one of the things that I was a little concerned by or just didn't add up for me was that I didn't see how we were going to avoid having our kids and grandkids in these same types of rooms. Mm-hmm. I didn't see sort of a kind of content or, or you know, science or neuroscience or, you know, behavior change or how are we going to talk differently in health class at school? I just, and I knew that that was going to be important to me. I just, you know, so then circling back to the wine industry, you know, again, Annie kind of freed me up to realize, no, I can, I can do this. And one of the first things I did is I wrote 
sort of um, an apology to the non-drinker who visited my tasting room. Mm-hmm. And in that, I just made it, I said, you know, I am so sorry. I didn't see you. I, I thought I was being gracious if I offered you a glass of water. But by the time I offered you a plain glass of water, it's only because you'd already had to been othered. You were yeah. already in the yeah. corner not participating. And then that's how I, and that's, and, and just said in this kind of open letter, that's just not good enough. And if, you know, here's what I would do now um, is, you know, have these alternatives and you don't have to ask for it. They needs to be written, you know, very clearly that I have this available for you. And so that to me is just one, you know, example of so many that we can think about in our culture is how do we create a better drinking culture where not only do we have abundant options everywhere, and what's funny is when you put out the options, people will take them, people that you think of as committed drinkers. So another part of just shifting and helping, all of us are doing this, when we create a better drinking culture, not only do we have abundant options, but we don't make assumptions like drinkers always drink. Let's yes. not assume that, you know? And so, so um, that, that is part of what I feel like I was able to do from the vantage point of still being in the wine business, um, hosting at one of the first parties I hosted um, for a big milestone birthday for my husband, we did have wine. All of our friends were winemakers, but it was the first time ever I made a beautiful display of non-alcoholic beverages. And I put them up on risers, you know, and I made them look gorgeous yes. and appealing. And, you know, it's little things like that that add up and really start to shift mm. um, drinking culture and, um yeah, so so just feeling like I could add a little bit to the conversation. And I am really happy to report that a few Oregon wineries and more and more are now offering non-alcoholic options in their tasting rooms. And I'm always very quick. I, I'm staying on top of that and I add it. I have a um, I've written multiple times about enjoying wine country wherever you are, some kind of general tips and then some specific to Oregon where we spend you know a lot of our time. Um, and I'm you know updating updating that people are um, really seeing that there's a growing interest um, mm. and you know that it was never good enough to be honest to you know not understand that you know just for people's health, you need to be, offering this so yeah it's really cool because i think half of this movement is kind of coming from the the outside but actually you need the inside as well and we've spoken to a number of people on this podcast who've said that when it comes to kind of big alcohol and lobbying and one of the things that's actually carrying a lot of power is the amount of kind of uh attention and financial kind of shift is coming from big alcohol because they're like, oh shit, like we can make a load of money like that. As much as I'd like to say, wouldn't it be wonderful if it could all come from kind of just kind of like, I don't know, these lovely kind of insights that people might have, that kind of stuff is going to make a difference. And the combination of the inside outside is going to, it's going to really make a difference because as it seems to me, it looks like there's two things going on. One of them is the 
And I really hear you on that whole, if you only get a glass of water at a winery and you're on a stag do. And I mean, this literally happened to me a couple of months ago, 20 lads, stag do. It was in Montenegro. So I think probably out there, it's going to take a little longer to shift. But yeah, they, they didn't even have tea or coffee, right? So it's just like, you're there with your glass of water. Luckily, there's a beautiful view. And I I know that good feelings don't come from alcohol. I know they come from me. So here's the other promise that I think you're really sharing with people is that, man, we just give way too much credit to booze. It's we don't. It's a it's a case of misattribution where we just correlate the idea that because booze has been around all the time, well, it must it must cause these things and these good feelings. And all of us know that that's just made up. That's not true. They come from you. And like, if you see that, if you realize for yourself that peace and joy and feelings of love and connection can only ever come from you and any kind of 20 minute feeling that alcohol is going to give you is always going to be a poor second to that. Like alcohol loses its sparkle. Like that whole thing about life, not having any, it's just gone. You're just like, yeah, screw it. Then why would I bother? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I just got tingles while you're saying that and, and you're, you know, the, title of the you know present and sober being present um absolutely this is you know that to be able to share that hopefully you know that might mean someone something to someone listening that that you know a winemaker you know 25 years in the wine industry is saying absolutely we as a culture we're giving alcohol way too much credit exactly what you just said sam um and it's and we're we're collectively waking up to that and um and it is i love um ellie back to what you were saying about encouraging people to really get out there and make make their lives you know bigger um one of the things that I, another thing that I did here in Paris was push myself to go on a tour of speakeasies. And um, I love this kind of exercise. And I, I like um, in my coaching that I do, I want it to feel like a playground. <laughs> We're trying things. These are experiments. And I just really feel like it should all be fun. And so the, the what is amazing about these kinds of experiences is it you are showing your brain the evidence that it needs. And nothing will do that like having these experiences. Mm -hmm. So to what it allows us to do is to challenge the belief that it's alcohol that provided the bonding. So I'll describe the night first, meeting in Paris late at night in a public square, and then going off with your guide to some of these hidden speakeasies scattered around Paris. Maybe you're um, using a phone to get a code to get in or passing through a secret door and um, meeting people from other countries. Um, and so, a night like that is such great a chance for your brain to explore what is it that makes this mm. fun? What is it? And just what you said, Sam, how the feeling of belonging, do I belong or not? Absolutely. That is that is coming from within. Those are my thoughts. Um, and so what my brain is able to see is, oh, my gosh. We all come, we're all immediately falling into conversation. Everyone that came to an event like this is, is 
definitely open to new experiences. So, you know, right there, we have something in common. We're all visitors. And so, you know, we have that in common. We're explorers. And each stop, I had a beautiful non-alcoholic beverage. And as we clinked glasses, you know, I think of, I've really, I did a lot of work of making a new association. So clinking glasses to me is I am toasting to clarity and Mm. connection. Love it. Clarity and connection. I hear that clink and I'm thinking clarity and connection. And to, you know, to everybody in the group, I just know that it was so evident that I was having an equal experience. There was no sense. There just couldn't have been. There was no sense of, gosh, you know, she's really missing out on this. You know, I got every part of the evening. Um, And a couple other examples of that. I had the chance to sit on a kind of, um, a beat at a beach club. I had never really done that, but you know, the kind where they have a server come take your drink order. And as I sat side by side with um, someone, I was able to see that the non-alcoholic pina colada afforded me the exact same experience. I would argue better, but I, in other words, the beautiful view, the feeling, the sensations, the attractive server, um, feeling kind of fancy with the nice drink presented. All of that was was mine to enjoy and with all my senses intact. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and but I needed to do that mm-hmm. to then mm-hmm. say and challenge that, oh, so what is it? that I would have thought alcohol would have done to elevate this moment. And instead feeling like, oh my, this, you can't elevate this. This is, I'm, you know, having this absolutely beautiful experience. And by not having alcohol, I'm actually fully in the moment. Instead of with alcohol, my brain is then wanting something else. So it's a very restless feeling. Um, Those experiences, um, you know, just give your brain the evidence it needs and allow you to ask these questions. And that's what I think it's all about is saying, oh, so what, what is it? And what I love doing is when I feel a a wave of um, inspiration or a little burst of creativity, I love saying, oh, what, what contributed to that? What are the ingredients? Um, because the old brain got convinced that alcohol could create a creative state, you know, and that's an, kind of an old, you know, old belief that a lot of people have, they, you know, writers, you know, we if you're going to be a writer, you need to develop an alcohol habit and go, you know, <laughs> hide away and drink. Um, I've heard that from so many writers and creatives. But our brain is pretty great at ignoring evidence that's right in front of it when it wants to believe the old belief. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's easier for the brain to um, go along with that old belief. And it takes a little bit of work. I like to call it play. <laughs> it takes a little bit of play to challenge the old belief and say, no, we're going to look at this. What, what ingredients were present that allowed me to just get in that playful state um, that allowed me to get in that place where I just felt that, you know, fun, yummy burst of creativity or inspiration. What were the ingredients present? 
And you can look at things like, was it that I um, slowed down and I had some time? Was it that I was alone and had some time on my own? Um, you know, was it that I did a little few minutes of mindfulness practice? Was it that I had music going and I got pumped up? All of those things, we can really look at the ingredients that help us get into a state that, you know, we might be looking for. But yeah, I love that, Sam, that alcohol is a, um, you know, a very poor tool. And um, it it's, it really is, we, we got into thinking that it could be a precise, a precision instrument, yeah. um, that it could go in and do for me at the start of a night out socially, this very defined thing. Okay. I only, I want you to just lightly, lightly, um, make, you know, make me a little more relaxed, but still energized and ready for the party and, and maybe dial down some inhibition, but not so much that I do something crazy. And, you know, this idea that alcohol could ever have been a precision instrument when in fact, it's a sledgehammer, it's a very blunt instrument. Um, and I, what I love to do is work with clients to look at because it's such a poor tool, um, let's let's look at the other things that that can get us, you know, in those states. And and as you said, realize that it's always coming from us, you know, getting into those states of being. So, yeah. Yeah. And I always say, you know, real uh, real rewards and celebrations you know they don't punish you they don't make you feel like shit the next day they just you said so just a quick thing to be like oh yeah most people i say that to like that's so true like if i'm going to celebrate i don't want to take away all of this this lovely kind of experience that's pouring through me and um i love what your mother i just love what you said about the um and i think it's easily written off innocently and easily written off this experiential learning because you know, things are like sat on the sofa, imagining what our life's going to be scaring the shit out of ourselves with this concept of forever or whatever, which we never experience. We just, no, we experience it this life moment by moment by moment. And there's things that we just see life teaches us stuff. We have insights and we, we write that out. You're like, for anyone who's sitting, listening to this, who's kind of like still drinking and you're trying to think to yourself, ah, oh, but you know, all you're doing in your head right now is probably taking your life, taking the alcohol out and making a guess at what you think it's going to be like. But built into your journey is going to be a whole bunch of insights, a whole bunch of stuff that you don't know yet that's true, that good feelings come from you, that, you know, all these things, they're, they're, they're a part of you. And you don't have to earn them or anything. It's more about uncovering them. It's just like there's some muck on the screen right now. When the muck clears, like they'll, they'll start showing up. And just, I think that's one of the most powerful things about having like a, a bit of time away and just going and throwing yourself into the deep end and doing a load of stuff and having a load of fun because a load of the stuff you've told yourself or the guesses that you've made, you just you just realize, oh yeah, I made that up. That's not how it is. There's a lot of people having fun. There's a lot of people not drinking. As like one of the most amazing things I've seen is you go to a gig. Surprising how many people are just like stood there with their soda water or whatever. It's like mm -hmm. oh, there's loads of them. I just like literally didn't see them when I was a drinker because in my world, everybody drinks, right? Absolutely. I love that point. When you are a winemaker um, in the wine industry, everyone drinks. And yeah. that, 
And that is your, that is your belief. Absolutely. And I was, that kept me so stuck because I was also asking the, really the wrong question again and again and again. And that was things like, um, I don't think I drink any more than anyone else in the wine industry. And, you know, that was just such the wrong, you know, wrong thing to be asking, or do I drink any more than, um, and really just asking, how do I feel? And then, as you said, as I got out and started going and, you know, doing different things and engaging, what I was really trying to do is engage. I was trying to do this thing I call reclaiming spaces and engaging with my senses, you know, just feeling, allowing myself to feel very present. It's a mindfulness practice, actually, when we get very intentional about using our senses. And so as I did, you know, experimented and kind of played around with that, I was able to get out in different environments and realize, oh, you know what, that part about everybody in the whole world drinks is not exactly true. And um, one experience with it yesterday, I um, went to the a brand new gym that I'm hoping I'm going to really be using. And I'd been thinking about weight lifting and weight training. I'm so brand new to this. So this is super scary. But one of the things that struck me is, okay, it's 7am. And I, I, you know, certainly some people might drink, but I, I can, it seems like this is a crowd where that is not their life focus because here they are at, you know, at 7am. It is so fun to get out and look at what are some events and activities that really do not uh, just center around alcohol. And when you do that, you see some communities. Um, I had talked to a young woman, a friend of my daughter's, and she had the experience of discovering in London, you know, of course, a young people early 20s it's it's you know we consider it normal that everything revolves around club culture or pub culture but she discovered this place where it was kind of a non-alcoholic bar and everyone played chess and she said and there were so many cute guys (laughs) um i i love that for her you know when you get out into something else you go oh it's it is fun to see people who, you know, or to get introduced to a whole different world culture where someone is really expressing their passion, whether it's some form of art or some form of sport or some other kind of form of community and realize, oh, okay, maybe that really wasn't true that everybody drinks. It's Mm -hmm. a powerful point because I think for a lot of people, they think, gosh, I'm going to have to completely rebuild my whole social circle. And that can seem very scary and i i often say the same thing martha i just say no go break into a subculture where it's like not the centerpiece you'd be surprised um you know latin the latin dance scene no one's drinking a lot because no one wants to dance with drunk people right yeah you, you think about kind of like the um any kind of anything with an ing on the end basically any verb any hobby any kind of uh you know, the, you know any kind of sport obviously a lot of like the craft world a lot of even like stand-up comedy and stuff obviously there's people drinking in there but you'll get a lot of people that are going during the week on a work night and they're not they're not drinking and that's amazing because you'll just meet a bunch of people who know how to have fun and they'll become your greatest teachers as well. Like that's what I really love about those spaces is they're full of people that can teach you how to enjoy yourself without it. Yes. And to, um, you know, again, I've 
loved encouraging people to get out in wine country and mm. to recognize this is this is an agricultural you know product and wine is and and so you know this is a beautiful setting and there is so much to do um you know various farms and different tastings and go going to a winery that has an olive mill and doing an olive oil tasting and um you know we even have a few tasting rooms that have na distilled spirits um but you know then there's lavender farms and there's renting a vintage car or doing a hot air balloon ride or you know chocolate or coffee you know when when you have an area that's um that's been producing wine you are probably in an area where there is a love and passion for artisanal products of other kinds so mm -hmm. there's there's a lot to explore and again, these experiments, these, you know, doing something playful um, is a wonderful way to just show your, your brain, gather new evidence, and even allow your brain to see evidence that's already there. In other words, all of our brains have evidence of times we had fun without alcohol. And that's what I mean by that. I mean, you're, you're, your brain's filled with them. But when your brain goes to make a prediction about what will this be like, what will life be like without alcohol, the brain's at that point being very selective yeah. oh, <laughs> and yes. it's cherry picking evidence. So what I love to do is, is you know, exercise in let's 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 get the brain, you know, challenge it a little bit and look for some of this evidence that's already in there. And then create new experiences where there is new evidence. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, a, a client went to a, a multi-course dinner at a farm, you know, outdoors and brought an N.A. wine, but left it in her car. It started the night with feelings of apprehension and being very self-conscious and even thought, oh, this relative is kind of giving me a little attitude, you know, a lot of uncertainty, which we can all understand. And just opened up a little bit. The server then said, oh, my gosh, you have that? Go get that, you know, from your car. Opened it up and it really shifted everything because, you know, now it's a, oh, this is made in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, by a female winemaker. Oh, this is an award-winning wine. How cool is this? I didn't know this. And so now she's, you know, it moves from, I'm feeling a little self-conscious. I don't know how this will go to actually I'm a resource to someone else now. And I've introduced um, some new flavors um, and, you know, shown my brain and even gotten to show other people that I could then experience this very multi-sensory kind of an evening. And mm -hmm. clearly no one is possibly going to look and say, I'm getting shortchanged. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's a kind of um, a event that just is very impactful for your brain, because then your brain goes to make predictions and it's, you know, looking at all that evidence. And so mm -hmm. I really think those, you know, those experiences are very pivotal. Mm. It's, it's very cool what you're talking about, because the, the whole like zooming out and um, having that beginner's mind to see how things could be like what you can create is, is utterly wonderful. But the point that, uh, 
is really interesting that you said is like how the brain ignores a bunch of evidence that is like right there in front of you. And it took me back to there was a conversation I was having with um, one of the path groups who have now adopted a a mascot off the back of this conversation. And, and so it was about, you know, how, how can I possibly have fun alcohol free? And I was taking them back to like, do you remember when you were a kid and you had a birthday party and the adults might have been drinking, you know, somebody got out a picture and there's like, you know, an ashtray and a, and a, and a whiskey by the birthday cake. But forget that the kids like when when you had your birthday party as a kid and there was so much joy and so much fun and it wasn't alcohol fueled. So take yourself back to those moments and the the thing that was really funny about this whole situation was I was talking about when we were kids in the eighties and you used to have a hedgehog as um as one of the um centerpieces of the part. So this is and and the North American folks might not get this, but they will soon enough. And this path group got it beautifully. Half a melon covered in foil, and then it's got cocktail sticks with bits of sausage bits of um, pineapple, bits of cheese and silver skin onions on, and then it, you fashion a hedgehog out of it. And and the thing was, it became it, this whole idea um, really, like it just, it landed so well with this group of people. And, and the, the whole hedgehog thing, now it's now the mascot of the group because it was just so evocative. And um, so we've had groups getting together, making these hedgehogs, all over all over the world. <laughs> and then I had my daughter's fifth birthday um a short while ago and I made one as a as homage to <laughs> my 80s uh time. I made one for her and um brought it in and, and displayed it to the the path group as well because it's just you know it, it's it's just a bit of fun but it it really um just anchors back into that that point like the brain has a bunch of evidence. But it's yeah. it, it, it's it, it's you know put it in the back shop somewhere and it's not looking at it. I love. I've had the experience in a big group call of asking everyone to drop into the chat a moment, an example of a moment that they felt most alive. Mm-hmm. And what's fun is, you know, when you get all the answers at once, and it's not just because someone said one thing; it's everybody's spontaneous answer, and just boom, 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 answer after answer, and not one of them had anything to do with alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Such a powerful moment to just hear this, you know, um, windsurfing, you know, um, you know, whatever. So many of them related to nature, being out in nature, feelings of exhilaration. Um, so every one of them had something to do with um, nature, exertion, and feeling, really, you could say it comes back to the senses, you know, feeling mm-hmm. the wind, feeling the water, feeling the sand. Um, and a similar kind of exercise aimed at, you know, some of this is um, as inviting people to share a moment when they have felt the recipient of just beautiful, memorable hospitality. And again, you know, the answers come in, not one person says someone, you know, pulled out this old bottle, you know, I really, you know, you would expect that from my, you know, background. Um, But it was just these very touching things. And 
um, things. Someone shared a family, an old family custom with me or invited me into their family custom or someone remembered my food preferences, someone, you know, all these beautiful examples. And what I thought the common thread was, it seemed to me was the common thread was that that person felt seen. Mm-hmm. They, you know, that that's what it is that um, a host host does. And so I bring that one up because we all, I, I, I think, well, I really identify with that of having these uh, fears around how can I be a host? How can I be a guest? The people at that wine focused dinner will think I'm, you know, I'm boring or I'm not honoring what, what they think this is all about. And I felt I had to dig into that. And, um, and that's what led me to these kinds of exercises where I could say, wait, what is it that makes someone feel really, you know, honored as a guest and feel really welcomed and, um, you know, just happy and joyful and connected and belonging. And, um, you know, what is it that I enjoy about being in someone else's home or space or event. And um, when we start looking at that, the, the, the alcohol just, it really evaporates. It's just not there. Um, And that's just an example of challenging um, that, you know, the old beliefs. Um, And I think, I think we're just showing that it really is something, this play really is important. Um, kids, we know this, that kids play is not just kid stuff. It's not just play. It is how they learn. And it's the same for us. I mean, nothing changes. We're, we're just big kids. Um, so it is the same for us. Play is, you know, really how we get into that part of the brain that isn't judging, isn't remembering old, you know, old things ruminating. Um, And so this play is important. And I love, Ellie, your example is a super fun um, example of, you know, we we can get really into it with the holidays coming. Mm -hmm. It is a great time to say, what is it that makes um, bringing a group of people together special? And I would say, and I really want people to know, I feel like I contributed to this kind of like, um, I don't just this lowest common denominator will just drink, you know, that like I was steeped in it. I was born into it. And then that's just what I thought was normal. And, and then I contributed to it, Mm. but we get to, in this space, we get to say, um, oh, wait, what types of little things can we do? And Ellie, your example is playful. Mm-hmm. And so little things like um, getting, allowing guests to get their hands on. And so whether maybe it's a tamale making workshop, maybe you gather friends, one of the best events that, um, or just a really memorable one I can say, is one where I got some moms and daughters and we made cards greeting cards that we then later dropped off at a nonprofit. But there was something about having all of us with our hands busy mm-hmm. and working and conversation just flowed. And it it was so different than coming into an environment where it, it was small talk and who's going to talk to who this, we just sat at tables and we had a you know bunch of the crafts. Um, and 
I think we can take inspiration from some of the kind of thinking we had to do during COVID when normal ways of gathering weren't available. Mm-hmm. And um, I think if everyone probably has an example in their, from their community of how did people get creative and how did you show someone who was having a birthday when you couldn't be together, you know, maybe you made them a video, maybe you. And so all those examples, all it meant was we were bringing more intentionality mm-hmm. to it, not just saying, OK, let's pop a cork. Mm-hmm. That is like this slow, I mean, a like shortcut easy button thing that doesn't really, it doesn't work. It doesn't accomplish the goal and it has this raft of negative consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, so back to what you were saying, Sam, sometimes, sometimes these things that deliver true reward and, you know, they might take a little extra effort um, and they often do, but then the reward is sustained it doesn't have any negative consequences. It, um, yeah, it lingers, you know, you can feel that buzz from that. Um, so, you know, people leaving a, a Thanksgiving, um, you know, or any kind of gathering, family gathering, and maybe there's this just simple, simple, simple game about asking some, you know, a question that goes around or, you know, creating some family ritual, whether it's meaningful and has a, you know, kind of serious and meaningful or profound, or maybe it's just silly. Mm -hmm. But are those ways that we can uh, look at events and and put a little more intentionality into in creating some meaning? Because that's what humans um, evolved to have ritual for. Ritual is really important. And it, um, it, it, brings us together and kind of solidifies that being part of the group and all of that. Um, Along the way, centuries back, alcohol got tangled up in that, but that's not what ritual is really about. And it's a pretty wonderful opportunity to think that we get to reimagine ritual. Mm. Sounds like another podcast episode coming up with you, Martha. Yeah, that's it. Feels like that's such a beautiful place to kind of pause, and because I love what you're ex- ex- expressing about play and ritual and all that stuff, Martha. And you know, we know we we know there'll be a whole bunch of people tuning into this, getting excited just at the just listening to this conversation. They're going to have a feeling of excitement, and we know you're doing some exciting things with courses and that kind of stuff. So, like, let people know what are you up to, and how do they find you. Uh, so my um, coaching practice is Clear Power Coaching. Uh, so my website, clearpowercoaching.com, um, does have a lot of resources available. Be back to the you know very beginning of this conversation, that discussion about um, wanting to share resources and stories behind the product. So I'm I keep a list of the NA beverages that. I have tasted and, you know, that's across the country and here in France and in London. Um, So that's something that's always available um, for free on my website. And um, I pour a lot of love into a newsletter that I write that also is filled with these kinds of resources. and that, you know, you can sign up on the website. My my latest project is something I'm really, really excited about. And I've um, put together just so much of what we've we've talked about 
um, is sort of the, the backbone of a program that I've just put together called Luscious AF. And this is exactly what I was looking for back then, you know, when I was saying I just, I, I got the science and I, I got the, okay, this is, these are tips to not do the thing, but how do I engage? How do I, you know, truly engage all my senses so that I'm living juicy, not dry? Mm-hmm. And I poured that into, you know, it was here and it was it was some stuff I was researching and stuff I was making up um, and, you know, experiments that I was doing on myself and then finally put it into a program. And I really just want to think of that um, as a playground where, um, you know, people who felt in a similar way can come and explore these questions like, how do I cultivate states of inspiration and and creativity and um, engage the senses so that I am feeling really alive. Um, And so that I, I'm really excited about that. And that program is um, includes coaching and a small group. I love working in small groups. I love the magic of, of what gets shared in a small group. So Mm. Me too. And it sounds fabulous. Sounds absolutely fabulous, Martha. Um, thank you so much for affording us your time and uh, your insights. It's, it's been really, really wonderful. And I, I definitely want to record that episode uh, about ritual because yeah. it would be a fantastic follow on from this. Excellent. Thank you both. Ellie and Sam, I mean, I could talk to you um, forever. It's just so, this was really, really fun. And I appreciate the opportunity. You're so welcome. Uh, such beautiful energy and such a great conversation. So we will make it happen again. Right. Awesome.